0: If you have a Bible this morning, go to Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7. Matthew 1, Isaiah 7. If you wish, you can grab Luke chapter 1. We'll look at many other verses in the process. But this time of year, it would be totally appropriate to look at this subject. However, I want to look at it today from a, a really powerful application as we go through this teaching, this truth, your Bible says in Matthew chapter one, it says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. When you begin to read the rest of the passage, it speaks of Joseph's dilemma. It speaks of how God talked to him and told him not to fear, to take her. It says he took her and he knew her not. And it was all that was done was that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. He's referring at the very least to Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he, in the passage, uh, we know when we come over to Luke chapter 1 also now, we know that this was she was with child of the Holy Ghost, with child of the Holy Ghost. Look with me at Luke chapter 1 for a moment. Luke chapter 1. In verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And these things here in, in these Gospels and these things that happened... And uh, all the things that God did, okay, they are miraculous. And yet, if you'll come to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3, we're going to refer to a few other things. On the way, grab Romans chapter 1, grab Romans 1. You know, it's such a blessing when you have your Bible in front of you, your printed Bible. You can do so many things with a printed Bible you cannot do electronically. I don't care how clever you are. I don't care how it's designed. And God made it that way because he made us to be a book people. Romans 1. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, etc. So when the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Ghost, First Timothy chapter three. While we're, you can turn there while we're talking, speaking, First Timothy chapter three. Now, now get this. We're going to talk about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of, virgin birth of Christ, and we're going to in, in, refer to it as the incarnation. Incarnation is an English word that means to come in the flesh, carna, as in carnival, as in flesh, carnivore, incarnation, in the flesh. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believe on in the world, received up in the glory. And we're going to look at this today uh, on this incarnation, but we're going to see why it's so important to us. When I was a young fellow, we didn't go to church. I didn't go to church at all so after I was out of high school and stuff. We didn't go to church. We didn't pray over our food, nothing. We raced thoroughbred racehorses. And I, I say now, looking back, we were thoroughbred heathen. But I remember every year, this time of year called christmas here in the western world for example <laughs> i can remember in those days they'd have a tree set up or whatever but everywhere my auntie who was roman catholic my grandmother my mom we would, they would have a nativity set up at the houses and some of them we had a little, a little light in there and it would shed a little bit of light someone had a star with the light on it above and of course they would have the whole nativity set which covered more than just the birth of Christ and included the wise man, which is a couple years because the wise men come and see a child, not a baby like the shepherds did. Nonetheless, that would be there. And I can remember laying on my stomach there with my hand, my chin in my hands, looking at it and wondering, what does this mean? And for years and years, they would play these songs. You know, in those days, it was on the vinyl albums on the record player and They would play hymns, Christmas songs. Some of them were the bouncy Christmas songs, but some of them were hymns, and I didn't know what a hymn was. But for years and years, I remember the words to a song called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And one of the verses says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And that phrase stuck with me all through my preteen years, all through my teen years, Till I got saved, and after I got saved that first Christmas, it started to dawn on me that <clears throat> there was some meaning in that phrase. The hopes and fears of all the years were, are met in thee tonight. And then you begin to read your Bible, and they be, you begin to get discipled and taught the Word of God, and you start seeing the manifestation, you might say, the illustration of what that hymn said. The Israelites had hoped and hoped and hoped for hundreds and thousands of years for the coming of the Messiah. When he came and the wise men came and reported that they came to seek that king, it was such a shock and a fear to Herod, he had those babies killed in that whole town. So you see, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And it's speaking of the night, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ was born into this world in a human body. And so God, all those years, was bearing witness to my conscience. I didn't know what it was. And it shows you that we need to hear words, specific words. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We have to hear those specific words to help draw us in to the actual thing. This thing of the virgin birth of Christ and the incarnation is far more than a doctrine or a tenant or, or merely a, a living truth, as, as they say sometimes. It's far more than that because it, it represents much more than that. It's not just a belief. As I read you in Romans chapter 1, it's <laughs> inseparable from the resurrection. The two go hand in hand together. In Matthew chapter 1, it says she brought forth her firstborn. Mary was not a perpetual virgin, as Roman Catholics and many others would try to teach. In Matthew chapter 13, it said he had brothers and sisters. The same it says again refers to him in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. Now, 1 Timothy 3:16 we'll read and then we're going to Hebrews chapter 2 to introduce what we're speaking of because 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness so it is a mystery it's a mystery and a mystery is something that is beyond human comprehension you might say I can't comprehend it I can believe it you see And I can teach it because I I have and I'm supposed to. (laughs) And it is a secreted truth. And it takes spiritual birth and spiritual insight. And even then it's mysterious how it happened. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Now flip across a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter 2. When we begin this thought today, this message on incarnation, the virgin birth of Christ, we have to set the stage for us to get a hold of why this thing is is so powerful and amazing and so necessary. You know, people act like Christians act like, well, it's just the birth of Christ, you know. What really matters is his crucifixion. You have no value in the death of Jesus Christ if he was not born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Ghost into this world. Hebrews 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. That's every human, not some gender-specific thing. Every human, every man and woman, boy and girl. Notice what it says a little lower than the angels. It's an easy thing to see in your Bible that when God refers to angels, they take the appearance of a male. But the Lord Jesus Christ said they're not they're not given in marriage and they don't take in marriage in eternity, but their appearance as a man. You take you take the. Uh, birth and everything and conception of Samson alone, and it goes back and forth between a man and an angel. It's the same being. Looks like a man is an angel. It's angel of the Lord, etc. The Lord Jesus Christ was made a little lower than the angels. So are we. The angels are not bound to earth as such. We are. The angels have a whole different existence, and they were before mankind. Now, without getting off into the doctrinal side of it, picture this. He was made lower than the angels. So, we are at the bottom of it. Listen, creation, animals don't matter to God in that sense. That's why he can tell you to offer them up. Now, the righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. You're not to be cruel or any of that to any animal. But that's not who God's interested in. He's interested in mankind. So when he sends the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes him a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death. Look at chapter 4. Look at the last three verses of chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now watch. That is, passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now watch. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the fin of our infirmities. That's very well said. So that's a tongue twister. Well, it won't hurt you to have a little brain twister to exercise your brain. You know what they're doing right now? All over the world, they're trying to get people to do all these mental exercises to fight off Alzheimer's and all this other stuff. So part of fighting off Alzheimer's is read your Bible and learn some English. Amen. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with filth in our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, what? Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In your Old Testament, when people were related on their mother's side, they were called flesh and bone. So the human race, First Corinthians 15, the last Adam, the human race <clears throat> was redeemed because the Lord Jesus Christ came in a human body, but he didn't have human blood and he didn't have human DNA like someone tried to tell me the other day. I said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You really think if you found his something from him, a, a drop of blood or something, you're, it's going to come out like anything you've ever seen? It's not. It can't. It's God's blood. He wasn't all man, but he was man enough, human enough to be our Sacrifice, and we are—he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, okay. And he's flesh and bone to us all, not just to Abraham, though there's a relation there. Not just to David, those are a relationship there, <clears throat> but he's also the Son of Man. You run the genealogies in Matthew and Luke backwards, and they weave in and out. One of them's Joseph's, one of them's Mary's. That gives him the right to the things on both sides of that whole thing. Both sides of it. Okay? Now, when we look at this today, I want to talk about five things. And we'll move through them briefly. But I want you to focus with me for a minute on the virgin birth of Christ, on the incarnation. The first thought is this mystery. It's a mystery. Okay? It's a mystery. It is totally mysterious. Look at John chapter 1 with me. It's mysterious. You're not going to explain it. And you sure in the world are not going to find some Greek or Hebrew word that explains it. You have the best chance of explaining it in your King James Bible. And you're not going to because it's a mystery. It's a mystery to be preached. He said, Preached to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up in the glory. We preach it. We proclaim it. We believe it and get the benefit of it. It's to be preached unto the Gentiles. You'll never explain it. We need more believing. And less dissecting of our Bible. We need more power. Which comes through believing it. And acting it out. It's not, it's not better to take that word mystery. And turn it into the word secret. They're pl- places in the Bible. Where God translates in your, in your English Bible secret. He wanted this to be the right word. <coughs> mystery. There's at least seven of them. Because it's beyond human comprehension. <coughs> I referred you to John chapter 1. Look at verse 14. And the word Capital W. The Word was made flesh and what? And dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that amazing? Full of grace and truth. So you see, when we think about this, this mystery, it is a mystery. We don't want to bring it down to human level. If anything, we want to elevate it to divine level. In First Corinthians chapter two, if you want to look there with me quickly, first Corinthians chapter two, Paul points out, he says in verse one, I brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of the speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. It doesn't mean he didn't think it out. It didn't mean he didn't use clear sentences. He said, I didn't try to do it by my excellent speech. He said, I determined, verse 2, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searches all things yea the deep things of God you're not going to grab hold of the incarnation by mere human intellect and neither will you explain it by human intellect next look with me at Luke chapter 2 we've mentioned said preached to the Gentiles 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 look at Luke 2 with me for a minute Luke chapter 2, let's look down around verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men." And there's a modern debate: Was it? Were they really singing? Every time you find things in the Bible, you find a mixture of confession and of music. It doesn't matter what you you know either way. What is the point? All right? It's a mystery. It's a message in itself. The incarnation was a message in it. Self, verse eleven of Luke chapter two: Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. Now had He died? Yet no. Had He gone into hell and taken sin of the world? No, not yet. Resurrected? No. Ascended? No. And yet it's a message. The hymn says, "Joy to the world, the Lord is come." That that hymn I mentioned to you, O little town of Bethlehem. That thing was written by Phillips Brooks, and Phillips Brooks was. A noted preacher and soul winner. For many years, I had one of the original copies of a series of lectures he delivered at Yale Divinity School in 1877 on on, on the art of preaching, the lectures on preaching. Joy to the world. John said we found him. The disciples said we found him. I've heard people say, well, they didn't even know what... They did know. They were looking for the Messiah. Fishermen were looking. Tax collectors were looking. You understand that people were the everyday person in the pew, as we would say today in the church, age, they were looking, they were looking for him. And we need to be aware of racing over this part of it. We want to appreciate what God did in it. You see, if we're not careful, we forget what he wrote. He wrote in first John four, verse two, hereby know ye the spirit of God. It's a capital S on that one. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. where have you heard it should come? Even now already is it in the world. In 1 John or 2 John verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is deceiver or antichrist. You take any kind of religion, any kind of belief, any kind of presentation that will not believe in the incarnation exact the way God said it, then ignore them. Run away from them. Block them out. Don't listen to them. Now, the incarnation is not all the message. Okay. Mary is not a perpetual virgin. She had sons and daughters, and God purposely did that way. And that's why if you've got a good Bible, it'll say in Matthew 1, verse 25, her firstborn, not just her son. Beware of racing over it. Beware of the message being lost. Right now, December 2023, all the conflict going on in Israel and stuff. And all the burden for them. And we are. But you know what their problem is? Their problem isn't the, the surrounding countries. I believe with all my heart God is allowing that. Just like he has for the last 6,000 years. At any time they tried to get away from him. And especially the last 2,000 years since they rejected Jesus Christ. God's saying you need to receive you need to believe that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. He's, he came to earth, He's been born. It's, it's a message in itself, okay? God came to earth. And then the third thing is it's a means of intercession. It's the means of intercession. We looked at Hebrews 4, and it talked about our great high priest. Now, God cannot lie. Numbers says, and God cannot die. Why is this so important? Because what God has done is he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He could not have been ever all human. He couldn't have redeemed us if he was all human. Because as in Adam, all die. But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of servant, was made in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. This is why it's so important. The, the means of intercession. He had to become us. He had to become one for us. That's why in Romans 6, 5, when he said, if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. God applies likeness. See, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. If you're a Christian or you know a Christian, And they're walking after the flesh, not the spirit. They're not showing what God wants shown. They're not showing how strong and how powerful his intercession is. Because you see, what he wanted to do, you say, well, in the beginning, Genesis 1, you know, he made us in his likeness. He did. And it got marred. God didn't make Adam where he could die because God cannot die. So he didn't create him with death working in him. Adam had to take into him the knowledge of the tree of good and evil which kills God did not say in the day you eat thereof I'll kill you no he said that tree will kill you Adam it's this means of intercession it's substitution mediation why is that so important because when we slow down and think about it this event was the beginning of My salvation and your salvation. If he did not come, he could not become the mediator, the means of intercession. Now, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is the method of the new birth. The method of the new birth. Because the method of the new birth, you know, one of the passages, obviously, that we would refer to would be John chapter 3, now, wouldn't we? The method of the new birth is mysterious. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians. And we're going to refer you to Colossians. If you'll get Colossians 1 for a minute while we make these comments, we'll tie this together. You see, when we think about about this, he said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind blows where it wants to. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh now. Can you observe the direction it might be coming? Yeah, but you don't know what. They've never, to this day, all this scientific stuff been able to explain away the the wind. You cannot tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That's why those poor people that try to prognosticate the weather, you know, and with all their radar and everything can tell you, yeah, it'll be here at 10 o'clock and it doesn't even come all day and hit somewhere else. Why? It's mysterious. You see, the method of the new birth is mysterious. It's spiritual. Your Bible says, therefore, if any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Be it all, things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5, most of you know it. Verse 17. If your Bible says creature, okay, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, you you've got the right picture. If it says a new creation, you're not that yet. You're not a new creation until you get your new body. But you are a different creature. Notice that you've got C-R-E-A-T in creature. You've got C-R-E-A-T in creation. Okay? You've got C-R-E-A-T-E-D in created, when God created. So, when we think about it, we're on our way to being a new creation in Christ. But for now, we're a new creature. Why are we a new creature? We've got the body yet. We've got the old nature, but then God birthed us and He gave us the new nature. Colossians chapter 1, and as that wind blows and you can't tell, you can't tell how God saved somebody. You can see some results sometimes. Your Bible says in Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption, verse 14, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is? Who's the His blood? Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, see, by him. Uh, verse 17, he is before all things. Look down around verse 25. He said, where I have made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the what? Mystery, mark it. The mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. We're going to come back to that verse in a moment. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The method of the new birth is incarnation. God coming inside you, and birthing you through the power of the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary, birthing a new nature in you. You're not a new creation yet. You've got a body you gotta live in that is a, that has the old nature hanging around in it. But the Holy Ghost circumcises you with the hands with a circumcision made without hands. Okay? In chapter two, verse eleven, you jot it down. And cut your you loose from your body. You're not stuck to that body. You're not ruled by that body unless you choose to. So the last one is this. So we've got the mystery. Mystery of incarnation. The message of it. God came to earth in the human body. The means of intercession is that he is able now on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16... He is be able to be our great high priest and intercede as the mediator. And the method of the new birth, the method of the new birth is the same thing. It's incarnation. It's God coming into us. Now, I know, I know you may not, I, I didn't understand in any of that when I asked Christ to save me. So it's not a matter of understanding in your head. And it's not a a, a matter of saying, well, I had to feel this or feel that. No. But I want to talk about that fifth thing, the manifestation of incarnation. I want to pick it up again in Colossians 1 and read through the end of the chapter in verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Now watch. Where have I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery. Think about it. Which God hath, which hath been hid from ages and and from generations, but now is made manifest where? To his saints. The manifestation of the incarnation is what? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the, the, the riches? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me. How? Mightily. The manifestation of incarnation. We're just a little ways out. We're about a week, eight days out from, you know, the day they set aside to talk about Christmas. You say, well, I just, I'm, you know, Scrooge and Grinch and all that, Bah humbuck. Okay, fine. But, since everyone's doing that, why don't you think about that first advent? Why don't you as a child of God think about the fact of it of the mystery of it, the marvel of it? Think about the fact of the message of what God intended it to be. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in him tonight. The means of intercession that came about, the substitution, the mediation, And the method of the new birth that follows logically from the incarnation of God into this earth. But then the manifestation. Our lives are to manifest the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. All aspects, just not some of them. For the most part, Christianity today wants you to be think that the Lord Jesus Christ was just meek and he was mild and he was lowly and he was but you must not you must have skipped Matthew 33 with all the exclamation parks points when he was talking to the scribe Pharisees hypocrites okay you must have missed him turning over the money changers table you, you must have missed many of the things that he told them why he even told inquirers that they ought to go away if, if they didn't want to, you know, get in. Not because he didn't want them to, but because you cannot take God and diminish who he is. There are people who will go to hell because Christians were afraid to talk to them about hell. They would talk to them about all kinds of things. You see, the mystery is and the message is that for mankind to miss hell... God Almighty had to come into this world in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin in the flesh and he had to bear away, he had to take upon him the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then he wants to manifest that incarnation in us. It's not mental. It's not doctrinal only. That is, that's how we get introduced to a lot of things is through the doctrine of it and the teaching of it. And we embrace it and believe it and we make notes about it and we rehearse it. But it's the manifestation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 127. Verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving to his, according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. We want, Paul said in verse 22 of this passage, Colossians 1, uh, he said, In the body of his flesh through death, watch, to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. Colon, watch. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from hope. The full reward is through the manifestation of the incarnation. Father, I pray you use these thoughts now. In Jesus' name, amen.